0: It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show, because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mc Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: I'm delighted to welcome Sue Scott to the podcast today. Sue is a food writer and recipe developer whose work we've been lucky enough to feature in past issues of Olive Magazine. Sue's also about to release her debut cookbook, Rice Table, a personal collection of recipes that explore her Korean roots through her modern home cooking, as well as the classic dishes of her childhood. Welcome, Sue. Thanks so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to see you in person because I know we've done a lot of email back and forth. But yeah, it's so nice to put a face to the... Yeah, the email. So could, first of all, could you tell us a bit about why you wrote the book? I mean, I've been dipping into it for the last few days. And as well as many lovely recipes, the writing is absolutely beautiful. And it it feels like a really personal book for you. Yeah, I think up until sort of having my
1: daughter, I never actually thought about my identity as Korean. But I always think when you become a mother, you're viewpoint just changed completely Mm. and the prospect of life and who you are as a person. And I started to question because I have a dual heritage child. She's half Korean and half British. And I just didn't realise what made me Korean at that point and how I was going to be able to offer her that other half of Koreanness, if you like. And I think it weighed really heavily on me just the responsibility of not only to raise this child well, but also to nurture her with the heritage that she inherited. And it started from there. And, yeah, I think I just kind of starting to realise the importance of, actually, in order for me to pass on the culture, Mm. I have to be clear about, who I am and where I'm from. Yeah. And understand my roots. And at that point I was just so busy wanting to integrate into British culture. Yeah. I just didn't know where and how I can reconnect. Yeah. And food just felt like the most tangible thing. So I suppose book is just a fusion of all of that soul searching, if you like. And I think that's why there's a lot of personal stories that I just felt so important to tell. Sort of tell her that story. Mm. This is why I'm here, and this is how it all started, and this is what happened, and that's why how I didn't feel like I was Korean at some point, and thanks to her, I'm starting to rebuild that relationship with my own culture.
0: It's it's. It's a weird thing. Yeah. I mean, it's an absolutely, it's a stunning book. And um, I think the intros, you know, you talk a lot about your family and your food memories and, and how they connect and then how then you had to take that. Because like you said, it's not going to be a book of well of family recipes. It's going to be a book where you you go back, take the memories and then, re, you know, try and connect through recipes that you've written and developed and yeah.
1: Yeah, because I think sometimes what I realise is I have those very clear memories Mm. and some of the memories quite faint. And whilst I can remember the taste of it so vividly in my head, to recreate, I think it can be quite difficult. So also I realised that my kitchen setup is completely different to my family (laughs) kitchen setup. And my taste has changed too because, you know, I got to the point where I have lived in London for longer than I have lived in Seoul so I have been exposed to many different um, mm. cuisines as well as Korean food. And I guess I just wanted to be as truthful to myself and yeah. to my kitchen. So there are recipes that are very traditional that I wanted to make sure that it's, it's there to continue. Yeah. But also there are dishes that I perhaps tweaked a little bit yeah. to suit my kitchen and also, I think cooking is about just making sure that it's all doable, yeah. so everyone can enjoy it rather yeah. than intimidating them with this multiple steps.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to keep a good balance, really. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk about some, you know, well-known Korean dishes. Okay. Because um, one of the points you wanted to make was that there's more to Korean food than fried chicken, bibimbap and bulgogi, which is which is what we hear about a lot yeah. because, you know, as it becomes more and more popular. Tell us a bit about that. When
1: I was um, thinking about Korean food mm. and have a conversation with other people, it was all always about those dishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. I love it. I love fried chicken. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows. <laughs> but I guess what I really wanted to celebrate was sort of a maternally-led Korean home cooking okay. kitchen where, you know, daily dishes are just put out there for you from out of nowhere and out of barely nothing at all. It's very um, seasonal. It's ingredient focused. There's just so many varieties of small dishes and different flavours and textures beyond those three dishes yeah. that we know. But also it's highly achievable because, yeah. you know, it's done daily by just ordinary Home cooks. Yeah. Generally speaking, I think when I was growing up, it was mainly female in the kitchen doing a lot of those things. But nowadays it's changing. Mm. And, you know, everyone's just trying to really just enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy the cooking, just daily cooking.
0: Yeah. I think you said in the book that your your mum did most of the cooking, but your dad seemed to have the inside track on where to eat out. Like he knew all of these amazing restaurants, like down side streets that you would say you would just walk past. But he was like, no, no, that's where you get the best barbecue. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, like in London, they say taxi
1: drivers know where to eat. So my dad did um, a lot of driving um, with his work because he was delivering lots of um, big goods and stuff like that. And he knew, he just literally knew everywhere <laughs> for that one dish. Yeah. Because in Korea, all the restaurants specialises in, uh, generally speaking, specialises in one thing. Yeah. So he knew where to um, get the best noodles, um, where to get this amazing beef barbecue, yeah. where the meat comes fresh. So, yeah, it's, it. there was a really good balance. Yeah. Um I think my dad treasured the good taste, whereas mm-hmm. my mum really... Um, Appreciated daily cooking. Yeah,
0: back to cooking, and you say salt and water is your best friend. Are we talking sort of in brining and in fermenting here? Or? No. Oh, okay. Good. Actually, just um, <laughs> I was trying to second guess.
1: <laughs> that that is very good guess, actually. Yeah, because the fermenting starts with salt and water. Yeah. No, actually, I was going along the lines with seasoning um, oh. and um, water. I think water is better than really bad stock or sort of. You know the just ordinary. Maybe not ordinary. is not a good term, but I'm thinking if you get sort of okay-ish stock, yeah, don't spend money on it. Yeah, but just use a water. Use water. Yeah. I love how you can build the flavors with right. other things, and sometimes the bad stock can really impart unnecessary flavour yeah, that you don't you, want to you don't know
0: what it's made It can be it can be like salt heavy and kind of fake herb heavy coconut. So, exactly. Yeah. And
1: a lot of things tend to have um lots of flavours that doesn't necessarily belong to Asian cooking sometimes yeah. if you're doing Asian cooking. Um so I always say just use water if you don't have stock, it's cool. fine. Yeah. And salt, just season, I think we often really under season our food and just season as you go along. Right. you can always add. Yeah,
0: can't take away. <laughs> yeah. But also salt
1: brings a lot of flavour, yeah. doesn't it? Like just a little sprinkle of salt at the end can just make all the difference in yeah. cooking, I think.
0: Yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. But you do you I mean, I, I I read um a recipe that you've got for which sounded really intriguing, a sesame and salt dipping sauce. Yes. That's such a lovely idea. So I think you said it's a third sesame, a third salt, a third, I can't remember what the third thing was. I think it's sesame seeds, sesame oil and salt, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's yes. it, yeah. And I just thought, God, that sounds gorgeous for just dipping things into yes, as well.
1: yeah. so that is often you have it with grilled meat yeah. to dip or you can add a little bit of garlic, to the sauce mm. and dip some steamed or boiled chicken. Yeah. Um, it just because a sesame oil is so aromatic mm. and it's just really savoury, especially Korean sesame oil, because it's a roasted, there's a really deep savoury flavour to it. Yeah. And um, with salt, it just adds a lot of aroma, but a lot of deep flavours.
0: Yeah. It, it, it goes particularly well with beef. And is that particular to Korean? eating where you would have these little condiments and dipping things to add little bursts yes, of flavour.
1: Yeah, so I think Korean food is very much like DIY. Yeah.
0: So there's <laughs> lots of
1: different elements that are laid out yeah. in front of you mm. and it's very communal eating experience, I think, generally speaking. But you can mix and match and do, you know, just build those flavours to yeah. suit your taste. Yeah. Um, some people like it really spicy, so they might um, naturally go more towards um, spicy dipping sauce. But others may go towards more savoury um, sesame oil, like you just said, or just simple salt yeah, or nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's such a fun. And I think what I love about it is there's... Exactly the same elements laid out in front of you. Mm. So you feel like you're eating the same thing.
0: But you just get to make it mix and match whatever you want. Exactly. And yeah, like make that. your own. Cool. Next, we we're going to talk about alliums as building blocks. And in your book, you talk about how the smell of frying onions is a particular sense memory for you you know, your mum frying, frying onions for the base of a dish. And alliums are so important. I know, like, onions, garlic, leeks, chives, spring onions, they all play their part, don't they?
1: Yeah. And um, so in
0: in my shopping list, yeah,
1: I always have two bags of onions. yep, <laughs> And a couple of bunches of spring onions and garlic and ginger always have that on standby. Because actually, if you have those ingredients with a little bit of oil, because fat brings a lot of flavour... Mm. You can just build so much flavour and you don't really need um, much at all. And I think this is not just for like Asian
0: cooking. No. It's
1: generally across borders. Everything,
0: yeah. Yeah, like I love
1: Italian food and I cook sort of simple Italian food quite a lot as a sort of weekly rotor. Yeah. And those just starts from really, you know, finely chopped onions or garlic, whatever the that you have, and slowly sautéing, not for five minutes, but just for like 10, 15 minutes until it really caramelises and softens. And it just releases so much more flavour that is naturally sweet and just very savoury. And I think for me, because of those slow frying onions evokes so much past memories yeah. it immediately relaxes me <laughs> yeah.
0: so it's kind of like a kitchen therapy yeah you don't want to rush that but I do that I get you know you can get the onions on because I think that once the onions are on and in the pan there's still another 25 minutes to, to do all the rest of your chopping because yeah. that's what they need to sort of do their thing exactly so it's quite nice you get them on and then you're right you just get into the little groove of prepping the rest of your stuff yeah and sometimes like if I don't know what I'm cooking (laughs) I just do that bit and then you know you decide
1: whether am I going to make a soup or am I going to make a pasta or am I making stir fry you know just decide after if you're unsure but start with good onions or garlics or whatever that you have
0: (laughs) yeah I love that Life
1: is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour. Can we talk briefly about some of the other building blocks of Korean cooking? Because at the start of the book, you've got a section called making friends with korean ingredients which is a lovely phrase. Yeah. <laughs> and you actually say you know it's not it's not that complicated or uh, you know the the ingredients that you might not be familiar with it, it's a small list um the ones that i saw coming up again and again in the recipes are um gochujang doenjang and gochugaru yeah. um so they to me seem to be like three that are that would be good for people to get in their store cupboards.
1: Yes. So um, I call it trio of jangs. Yeah. So it's a very basic fermented condiment or ingredients mm. that we use in Korean cooking. And it's the basis of all the building block of the flavours. Um, so a gochujang is a fermented chilli paste and it has a sort of smoky, sweet, spicy, different spice levels, depending on what you can get. And that I'm seeing a lot in major supermarkets. Me too. I
0: saw some in my local co-op the other day and I was amazed. I was like, wow, they've got this whole Korean section now, which is great.
1: Yeah. Um, And depending on the brand themselves. They offer different spice levels, okay. so you might want to Just um, try. check yeah. and try what you like, but it doesn't impart a really hot flavour. It's more very gentle, smoky, sweet flavour with a bit of spice. And once you understand how to mix that with other ingredients, um, such as if you want to enhance the sweetness, you might want to add more sugar. If you want to um, bring out the liveliness, you might want to add vinegar. Um, If you want to loosen it up, loosen it up with water or oil. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can use, but I think you can learn it by trying it. Right. And that, you can use it on its own. Or you can then start layering the flavours with other two jangs. Okay. <laughs> so drenjang yeah. is a fermented bean paste. The, I think I found the easiest way to explain to people the taste of it is like think of it as um, very friendly twin or cousins of um, miso. Oh, okay. I think it's um, more similar to like red miso mm. or barley miso. So it's a bit more deeper, puncher. When you cook it, it has got smell of, to me, it smells like um, parmesan.
0: Oh, because it's got that, like, funky, alami yes, kind of, yes. yeah. So, you know, like, when
1: you put parmesan rind into a yeah. soup and then you have that smell. That's
0: a great way to describe it. Imagine that it, yeah. smell. Yeah.
1: It's like that, but with a flavour of sort of like miso, yeah. I guess. It's not miso, but because I know people are so familiar already mm. with miso, um. But it has a deeper, puncher, much saltier taste. Yeah. And when you add Gochujang and Duanjang together, the marriage between sort of really salty punch taste Mm. with um, sweet, spicy, smoky notes.
0: Wow. It's just so (laughs) lovely.
1: I mean, you can overpower it, but it still tastes good. Yeah. And then you can add layers of. Another saltiness. Okay. That's when we move on to kanjang. Kanjang is a Korean term for soy sauce. So that's true of jang. And gochugaru is a chili flakes. It's flakes, yeah. Where you can add heat.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That
1: has got sort of like a pure, um, fruity, mm. spicy heat, which is quite similar to um, like Aleppo peppers. So again, there's different heat levels. So you can choose from what kind of heat levels that you want to use and that would be purely for adding some heat mm. and to balance out if you just use them, um, say, soy sauce as a base. You, not, you, might want to, you might want to use a little bit more of a chilli in there to mm. add a bit of heat to it. But it's just a case of thinking about what you want to accentuate yeah. more yeah. So start with one thing that you like, and then you can just
0: build yeah. upon. It is really not easy. Uh, it's really not difficult. Difficult. Yeah. It sounds like it's a really good entry point. Yeah. Is as, as you know, having those in your stock cupboard because they do last, and you yeah, know, they're not. And then you know having yeah. a bit of an experiment making some of the recipes. Yeah,
1: I I, I really do think when people say um, something's difficult, like cuisine, like Korean food is really difficult.
0: Yeah.
1: It's the case of just familiarising yourself mm. with just the basic ingredients. And once you start understanding the individual taste and how you can combine those two mm. with what you have, I mean, you can just do anything. It's not <laughs> difficult at all. If I can do it, yeah. I don't think anyone can do it.
0: Yeah. Um, seasonal and regional is something that we strive for and we talk about a lot. And I know that's something that's, that's really important for you as well, isn't it? Yes.
1: I think one of the things that I found it quite fascinating is I say, like, something like Italian food is really well known for regional cooking. Yeah. Um, Korean food is highly regional. But it's a very
0: underdiscovered or underexplored. Absolutely, I think we're only just starting to see, like, for example, I know in the last couple of years, regional Indian being championed. Yeah, and that took a long time to filter through. Hmm. Um, yeah. So tell us a bit about the Korean. So regions. a Korean food, and I think this goes back to um, earlier.
1: We talked about Korean food is more than just um fried chicken. Yeah. So Korean food is a very Regional, because Korea itself is surrounded by the sea, mountains, and the land. So depending on which part you're exploring, mm. the food changes its intensity and seasoning and the way that how it's presented. Mm. Even the exactly the same dish can taste so different. My father comes from um Seoul, yeah, but my mother is um she comes from sort of west coast borders not not too far from Seoul but still that there is a lot of influence of the sea so they use a lot of fish as a base Mm. or salted fish as a seasoning enhancer whereas if you go right down to south of Korea you're going to see more use of um, fish product because that's what's abundant yeah Um, and I think it's it's not only um a seasonal driven by the location but also because they have to work with the climate yeah of course they have and i think it's so sometimes i feel like it's such a shame that all the food is just focused on very limited um ranges of dishes that you can get anywhere but no one has been able to really highlight the no. like differences. And I think once you start to understand how it can change, uh, the whole wild, wide world of rich, environment, culture of Korean food just opens up. Yeah. But yeah, so I suppose I always wanted to highlight that Korean food—it's it, it, very
0: regional too. Yeah, you need very to be seasonal. there, like championing it and pushing forward and yeah. making sure. I, I mean, have you have you experienced any restaurants that are that are doing that? Around? No, actually, you know? I think I feel always a bit upset that Korean
1: food scene in UK at the moment seems still quite limited. Right. Okay. I feel. Um, There is a gap. Obviously, there are um, amazing Korean chefs championing this modern Korean cooking in UK food scene. And they are amazing. But I'm talking about very middle ground, you know, available for everybody, kind of restaurants. I don't think it exists um, to really present the culture. Yeah for what it is and um, maybe I mean I guess if you look at the um, like Thai food scene yeah it's getting so much better and they champion in the regional foods. yeah that's true and it's translating much better in mm. this country and um, with the authentic flavors maybe you know it will happen with time because mm. I think UK Korean food scene is catching up very slowly but steadily yeah so I'm very hopeful that it will <laughs> slowly build and happen yeah. and maybe you know we we we'll, we get to really experience what um it's like like yeah. those 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 parts different parts. Yeah,
0: if we keep talking about it maybe eventually. It'll exactly, happen. <laughs> exactly. So there's an intro to the barbecue section where you talk about your dad eating the radish water kimchi that comes with the grilled meat as a as an add-on. Um and he exclaims, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, she won harder. Yes. And and that's an expression that's all about, as far as I can tell, a sensation caused by eating in the body, but not through the tongue, like through the body. You, you can explain it because it's, it's quite unique, isn't it? Yeah. To... So Koreans... Um... Korean language,
1: because well another thing that I always feel fascinated yeah. by is the language. Yeah. Because um Korean language seems to have a lot of terms that explains this sensation received through body rather than the tongue. So yeah. when you taste food, what it does to your body. So Shiwanada, it's um the direct translation would be something like cooling or okay. refreshing. But it's more of it's a taste. But as well as how it feels in your ah, body. Yeah. Um, and coo- although it translates as cooling or refreshing, it's regardless of the temperature of the food. So that it can be really, really hot broth, <laughs> but can be still refreshing. Okay, so it's something that
0: um, creates a kind of all over body sensation. Kind yeah, just yeah. kind of relief of this yeah. sense. Yeah.
1: But... Yeah, there's so many of those words that <laughs> describes. And I think for me, it was such a unique moment of joy to yeah. rediscover those words while I'm working on, um, you know, my book. Yeah, Just kind of realising how much I have forgotten about my own language. Yeah. And how forgetting the language can really disconnect you from... Um, the culture itself. Yeah. But yeah, it's been joyous just realizing those small cute words that describes all of yeah. these things. And it's
0: nice that you that those words exist where they're not easily translated. Um and, you know, it means something quite personal to you and quite personal to career Korea and to yes. Koreans where it's sort of like something that belongs to you.
1: Yeah, because, you know, if somebody were to translate mm. that as, oh, refreshing or cooling, yeah. it wouldn't have the same yeah. sort of feel. It's
0: one part of it, but it isn't the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I really
1: wanted to um, add those moments to just bring a joy to people yeah. Yeah. and... <laughs> You know, hopefully, if there's any Korean um, immigrants reading this book, yeah, then they'll find that joy. Hopefully, it,
0: it's just fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really fun, to say. fun. You mentioned broth then as a thing that's that's important, and you said um, bubbling hot broth equals Korean soul food. Tell us about the broth and why it's so important. <laughs> so when my
1: husband and I met, and he was introduced to Korean food. He was quite surprised just how much broth we eat and whilst it's steaming hot. Interestingly, my daughter's exactly the same now. She likes her food very hot. Really hot. Yeah, yeah. like hot. She would rather <laughs> blow the food frantically mm. and eat while it's hot than cold or at lukewarm yeah. temperature for her age. And it's interesting because I think those were the moments that I felt like, that's...
0: That's a Korean
1: in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay, there are moments of doubt, but she's definitely <laughs> Korean. Um, and I think, I don't know whether maybe it's because Korean winter is so cold, yeah. but we seem to have this really strong culture of um, soups and stews. But we also enjoy in quite plentiful. So one serving would come with quite a lot of broth. okay. And I think maybe it stems from, it's only my guess, but I'm understanding because Korea kind of struggled with this history of war Mm. and there have been loads of invasions where the food scarcity was a real problem. Mm. And I think perhaps maybe it stems from those culture where they wanted to bulk out the food to feed...
0: Feed the mass, I yeah. suppose, and to feel like you were you were the broth keeps it going, doesn't it? The yeah. idea of swallowing and eating and filling you up. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, and you can
1: always give more because you know it, soups and stews. There's always plentiful. You can always make much more than what you can do if you want um, doing that kind of cooking.
0: Let's talk a bit about um, how do I pronounce this? Ban banchan, mm. banchan. Perfect. So it can mean a single small dish or a selection of small dishes is yes, that right yeah exactly so it's right it's got the dual thing yeah
1: yes yeah, so i had um, i discovered while i'm doing the research mm. banchan culture in korea is always translated as side dish ah uh-huh. and i wanted to kind of change that because it's it not, is not a side, side dish, dish no if you think about how a meal table is um assembled there are multiple um small plates in the middle with maybe a choice of um soup or stew that you either share or have it individually yeah soups are always served as an individual bowl but stew will be in the middle to share to everyone with a spoon to, to help themselves, themselves. Yeah. um and those small collective dishes that are put together is to maintain the balance of flavors and textures within that one spread. Okay. So it's merely a side dish to support the rice, but it's more of um, a dishes that focused on. It's it's very ingredient focused. Okay. To celebrate the flavours of of the seasons and those ingredients. And rice is just to kind of balance out the saltiness or sweetness or tartness or freshness, all of those Mm flavours that are available. And I just felt so sad when it was translated as a side dish because, no, it's not a side dish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd rather, I think, it's, it's rather appropriate to call it maybe like like tapas mm. say for instance yeah. because it's a lot of different flavors going on in a very small portion sizes yeah so, but yeah it's, it's super fun but it can be one thing or it can be collections of many things
0: because in the book you said it's not you know don't think you have to be making 10 things and then you know all at once you, there's things that you can make and having the fridge ready what what sort of dishes would we have in in banchan what what just tell us a few so um a seasoned spinach yeah. is a
1: really easy thing that you can do uh, so if you think about some of the basic banchan dishes mm. as like a batch cooking experience okay and you're going to have that each elements available in the fridge to um, sort of take you through the week, if you like. Yeah. So a seasoned spinach, really good um, dish to have. A spicy radish salad. So you just make a big um, amount and that can be added onto rice or just used as a side. And then things like um, egg rolls, we often make um, rolled omelettes. Okay. And that also can be kept in the fridge and you can eat cold. Yeah um potato dishes we eat um many different variations mm. but it's made in sort of reasonable batches and then kept in the fridge and eaten over the course of like 2 to 3 days. Okay. Uh, tofu keeps really well yeah. as well. So I think what I'm remembering as a child growing up is my mother always kind of prepared sort of different flavors and textures on a Sunday. Mm made Tupperware full of those dishes (laughs) and then put it in the fridge. Yeah. That would keep us going for the rest of the week. And she may top up with fresh sort of grilled meat or fish Mm. every day. So whilst she didn't do intensive cooking daily, there was always fresh things Mm. coming in each day to
0: make it more different. Yeah. And it's a lovely way to eat because it's, um, it's a healthy way to eat as well because yeah. you're getting lots of variety and lots of diversity in the different dishes, aren't yeah.
1: you? Yeah, I found working from home, it's got sense yeah. It's great because <laughs> it's there and all I need is rice or sometimes I'll just have, um, you know, a piece of meat or whatever or tin tuna, mm-hmm. you know, just mix it together and then it suddenly becomes a salad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Love it. Um Okay, next we've got another word that I wasn't familiar with, sonmat, which translates, is that right? Yes, which translates as hand taste. Yes. Um, So this is the flavour, the cook brings to the dish, as in the actual cook, the hands of the cook. Yes. Explain more.
1: (laughs) It's so fascinating, isn't it? Um, So a lot of Korean cooking is done by hand. Yeah. When you see, especially when you see it like um, pasta grannies. Yeah. They do a lot of hand things and their hands are amazing. Um, A lot of Korean cooking, also Korean mothers, and grandmothers, they do a lot of cooking with hands. Mm. And it's some of the things that... It's it one term that I um, understood very earlier on because my grandmother, maternal grandmother, did amazing cooking. And I spent a lot of time with her as a very young child in her kitchen. Yeah. And it's to do with um, the touch of fingertips and then the temperature within
0: oh, that hand
1: okay. and the... Um, a bacterial culture that lives in that hand, wow. how it can amalgamate the flavours into something that is very unique to your home. Yeah. And whilst I never quite understood the term like this at the time, as I sort of grown older, I become to really realise why that was such an important Part of Korean cooking, yeah. because um, in Korea there is a saying that every home has a different taste kimchi. Yeah,
0: um,
1: because I think we all put our hands in to make to these massage, things. And, yeah, and
0: spices into the cabbage. And, yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: whilst we're all gloved up, Gov-loved,
0: yeah, I think it's the touch
1: how we massage those ingredients to extract the flavours, yeah. or to manipulate mm-hmm. the, te- the texture. Um, in the book, I say a lot about um especially the abandoned dishes that are focused on vegetables yeah. tossing. Do it with hands. Do it with your hands. Because once you start understand how you can manipulate those vegetables. And
0: you can feel where it's at, what yeah. stage it's at, or how if you want to massage it to soften it a bit, you yeah. can stop when you need to. Exactly.
1: You know? Like cabbages especially. Yeah.
0: If you massage more,
1: the more water comes out mm. and then, you know, there will be different flavours been coming out of that. Whereas if you just mix it with um, a spoon or chopsticks, mm. you may not get the same effect
0: yeah. it's it's fun yeah. I think it, it's just it's just sensory fun as well and it's about magic as well isn't it because it's love that goes in from your hands and yeah. it's like you know it's person it, it's like the person making it that it tastes like that because that person's making it and they're doing exactly yeah I love it
1: yeah I mean I definitely think when I cook the dinner for the family yeah with love yeah with time <laughs> it tastes than, better like, rather than rushing
0: <laughs> Yeah, the days that I cook in a hurry and in a rush, stirring. Yeah, it's yeah, not the same. We can't always control it. No, we can, no. We can, we can try our best. Can't exactly. We? Um, okay. If people were going to cook from the book, what would be a couple of recipes you'd you'd recommend as a good starting point? Oh gosh, um, I can say my favourite recipe. Yeah, tell me your favourite one.
1: <laughs> my favourite recipe, which is quite. Um, on the um, unknown dish, yeah, it's in meat chapter bossam, which is um, poached pork belly wrap. Oh yeah, I saw that one. That looked great. I grew up with that dish, yeah. like smelling of that dish yeah. throughout my childhood because it was one of my father's favourite, and my mother cooked amazing um, bossam. And for me, it's just a celebration of communal cooking, eating. Nice. And all those lovely, wonderful flavours. And yeah. Koreans love pork belly. I love pork belly. And it took me a long time to arrive in that particular recipe. Yeah. That felt a little bit of my mother, but also a lot of me. Yeah. So I love that. I, I would really love it if people cooked that this. Fantastic. And another dish would be spicy radish salad which goes very well with that
0: okay so then you have the you have the pork belly and the radish salad and wrap it up and yes yes. exactly i love the sound of that one that's great well thanks so much again for everything you shared with us today um just a reminder the book is rice table korean recipes and stories to feed the soul and i checked and it's available to pre-order now so people can get on it um What's the best place for people to follow what you're up to, Sue? Uh, probably Instagram. Um You've changed I, it,
1: haven't you, too? Yes. At. Um I've been encouraged to um change because people so it's easier for people to find me. Yeah. So, so now I'm at Sue Scott Food.
0: Yep, and that's S U Scott Food. Yes. Just with no E. Um, yes. That's great. So thanks again for coming to chat to us today. It's it's been brilliant. I've learned so much. Thank you for having me. Good luck with the book. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to the olive podcast for recipes and more information head to olivemagazine.com do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats hacks and shortcuts and don't forget to subscribe at itunes acast spotify or wherever you get your podcasts